Hello, and welcome to Goodnight Moose, where you can tune in for a light morning start, an afternoon nap, or even a nice cozy inn for the night with a bit of story time. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we're going to continue our chapter book series, The Lost Fairy Tales by Anna James, and we will be reading chapters two and three today. Let's settle in, breathe deep, and dive into our story. Chapter two, Fairy Tales Are Funny Things. Grandad had booked a taxi to King's Cross, and the sleek black car waiting on the street outside the bookshop did not help with the funeral atmosphere. You said one of the candidates used to run fairy tale tours, Tilly asked, wondering about the unusual phrase her granddad had used. What does that even mean? Well, fairy tales are funny things, granddad said. Do you know where they come from? Who wrote them? The brothers... something? Oscar tried. The brothers Grimm, Tilly said authoritatively, and Hans Christian Andersen. Lots of people. You're right, but that's not the whole story, Grandad said. Those people did indeed write many fairy tales down and put their own spin on them for sure. But they didn't make up most of the stories themselves. They collected them. Fairy tales and folk tales are born around campfires and kitchen hearths. They're whispered under blankets and stars. Where they really come from, who had the idea first, which version is the original, it's almost impossible to trace, as we only have what was written down, which is rarely where they started. And can you think about why that might make them more dangerous, Grandma asked? Because, Tilly started confidently, but to her frustration couldn't think of anything. Oscar sat deep in thought. Is it something to do with source additions? he said. Usually when something is dangerous and book-wandering, it's to do with that. Yes, you're getting warmer, Grandma said. Keep going. If there's lots of different versions, Tilly said, and we don't know where they came from, Oscar continued, then they're even source additions at all? Tilly finished. Precisely, Grandad said. We have source editions of many of the different versions, of course, that act loosely like sources. But these stories aren't rooted in written-down storytelling. They come from oral storytelling, stories that are told out loud and passed down generations and around communities. Roots are what make things stable, Grandma went on. Fairy tales are rooted in air and fire, not paper and ink so the usual rules don't apply. Layers of stories bleed or crash into each other, and you can end up wandering into an entirely different version of the story with little way of getting out. It's incredibly dangerous to try to wander from inside one story to another. It's like trying to find a route on a map, but you don't know where you're starting from. Not to mention, fables fade in and out of existence. We tell new versions and we lose old ones, so they're seen as a bit of a risk for book wandering. 
Sometimes the underlibrary would organize group visits led by someone who was a bit more comfortable there and understood the risks and what to do to stay safe. Or try to stay safe. Have you been inside any fairy tales? Can you take us? Tilly asked. Her grandparents exchanged a look, and she couldn't help but wish they weren't quite so good at communicating without speaking. She wondered if she would ever be a team like that with someone, and experimented by glaring at Oscar meaningfully. Are, are you okay? he asked nervously. You look like you need to sneeze. Never mind, she said, blushing and turning back to Grandma and Granddad. You didn't answer my question. Actually, your grandma is one of the few book wanderers who does book wander in fairy tales officially and safely, Grandad said, looking at her proudly. How come? Oscar said. Well, as you both know, I used to work in the map room at the underlibrary, Grandma said. And as well as looking after the plans of real-life bookshops and libraries, it was also part of my job to know as much as I could about the layout of stories themselves. I did a bit of fairy tale exploring back in the day, but that project was abandoned after... Well, after a difference of opinion, let's say. Tilly thought about her grandma, who always took everything in stride and was intrigued. There's got to be more to that story she pushed. But it will have to be told another time, Grandad said. We're here. Chapter 3 Slightly on the Outside To Tilly's eyes, the steady stream of people in matching navy blue cardigans weren't doing a very good job of being inconspicuous inside the British Library. But despite the coordinated clothing and loud whispering, they didn't seem to be attracting much attention from the regular library users. They'll assume it's a tour group, Grandad said as they walked through the staff-only door that led inside the King's Library, a glass-wrapped tower of books in the middle of the main hall. People are good at not noticing things that don't affect them. How do you think we've hidden a magical library here for decades? There was a line to access the seemingly out-of-order lift that carried book wanderers down from the main library and into the British Under-Library. Tilly had expected the mood to be somber, as it had been at Pages & Co. But there was a disconcerting buzz in the air, and lots of excited faces in the crowd. Supposed to be sad? Oscar whispered to Tilly. We are, Tilly said, because Amelia is our friend. But I guess lots of people are cross with her for keeping what she knew about Chalk a secret. We are... on the right side, yes? Oscar said. Side of what? Tilly asked. Whatever this is, Oscar said, because it is clearly something. And although Tilly was loath to admit it herself, she had to accept that Oscar was right. A now familiar panic rose in Tilly's chest, the feeling of belonging and acceptance she'd experienced when she first found out she was a book wanderer had been ripped away when she discovered that she was half fictional. She was of their world, and yet removed from it, and sometimes felt like one of those children she'd read about in novels who were forced to live inside a plastic bubble because they were sick and couldn't risk contamination, as though she had to keep parts of herself hidden and protected. 
Now, there were all these complicated underlibrary politics she couldn't quite grasp, and there was a tiny voice in the back of her head asking whether everything would be easier if she'd never found out she was a book wanderer at all. Who wanted to be special anyway? All it seemed to mean was secrets, suspicious looks, and a feeling of always being slightly on the outside. Despite this and the strange atmosphere crackling the underlibrary, Tilly couldn't help but feel a sudden rush of wonder at the sight of the beautiful main hall that stretched high above her head, with its turquoise ceiling and sweeping wooden arches. A librarian rushed over to them and shook Grandad's hand vigorously. Seb, Oscar said happily, recognizing the librarian who had helped them learn how to book wander a few months ago. How are you all? Mr. Pages, sir, Miss Pages, lovely to see you, Seb said. Tilly, Oscar. He was speaking incredibly quickly, unable to stop himself being polite despite clearly having something very important to say. And if you wouldn't mind following me, Amelia's waiting for you. He shepherded the four of them off into an anteroom, keeping an eye on who was watching them go. The room he took them to was lined with bookshelves and warmed by a large fire and pacing in front of it was Amelia Whisper, the former head librarian, her long black hair pinned up into a formal hairstyle that robbed her of some of her usual warmth. Her skin, usually a glowing brown, looked paler and duller than normal. She nodded to them as they came in. Thank you for coming, she said. Of course, Amelia, Grandma said, rushing across the room and trying to wrap her in a hug, which Amelia stopped with a firm hand. Don't be too kind to me, Amelia said. You'll make me cry, which is not very on brand for me at all. And I need to talk to you about something much more important than me and my feelings. Seb and I are worried about what's going on here. Well, we all are, Grandad said, honestly insisting you stand down, listening to these clicks and their harebrained ideas. No, I mean something more than that, Amelia said. Yes, I'm heartbroken that the underlibrary is choosing to replace me, but, well, they're within their rights to do so. Barely, Grandad muttered. But the issue is whom they're replacing me with, or trying to. What do you mean, Grandma asked. I don't trust Melville Underwood at all, and I think there's more to his story than he's letting on. Ah, but they won't go for him, surely, Grandad said. He's just gotten back from goodness knows where. No one knows anything about him. It'll be old Ebenezer. I'm not so sure, Amelia said. You haven't been here over the last week. Melville may have just gotten back, but he's been darting around the library whispering in people's ears, and I'm worried about what he's saying and what people are open to believing. I don't think it's a coincidence that the bookbinders have stopped grumbling from the sidelines and started to get more organized. If I could be permitted to chip in, Seb said, I'm a little concerned about where he has been all this time, as you say, Mr. Pages, but others don't share our reservations. The bookbinders, as they insist on calling themselves now, are lapping up Melville's tail because they are happy to gloss over all sorts of irregularities if it means having one of their own in charge. Ideologically, I mean. Better the devil you sort of know and all that. But while he claims that he and his sister were attacked while leading a book-wandering group through a collection of fairy tales, there are no records of this attack happening. 
If a group of book wanderers was attacked or lost, there should be some note or diary or even a personal memory somewhere in our records. He says he can't be sure what happened to the rest of the group or his sister, and no one seems to be pushing him on it. Something smells fishy to me. But there's no proof, Grandad said slowly. Well, no, Seb said. The lack of evidence or proof is just the issue. There's no way to corroborate his story. We're a group of librarians and archivists and storytellers. Why aren't we more concerned that there's no record? I do worry that unfound claims such as these will merely make us look like sore losers, especially today, Grandad said slowly. Is there wisdom in waiting and watching for a while, do you think? I must admit, I never warmed to Melville when I crossed paths with him, back when we were both young men here. That's the other thing, Amelia said. He's still a young man. Well, that's nothing of note in itself, Grandma said. Aging works erratically in books as it is, and if he was in fairy tales, then even more so. Yes, but... He doesn't seem to have aged a day, Amelia said. He still looks to be in his late twenties. My dear Amelia, it's easy to find evidence of what we already believe. Amelia brushed Grandad's reassuring hand off her arm. Don't you dare patronize me, Archie, she said. I am not some conspiracy theorist. I know the underlibrary of today better than you do. I understand that we are dealing with little more than smoke and whispers and instincts here. You know what they say about no smoke without fire, Seb said, sagely. Amelia ignored him. There is something else happening here, she said firmly, and you would be wise to take any warning seriously. Grandad nodded, chastened. You're right, he said. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... I just, well, Elsie and I both care for you greatly as our friend and colleague, and I don't want to see you get hurt more than necessary. Is already inflicted, Amelia said, steely eyed. And I can endure it, but I want it to be worth something, and it is time for some answers. Do you know, in recent weeks, I have found myself wondering if I was ever really quite cut out for being in charge? Do you think I'd make a good rebel? I'm interested to see if I've got it in me. There was a definite twinkle in her eye. Now, if only I could convince Seb to start disobeying some rules. One step at a time, said said, breaking out in a light sweat at the mere thought. The end. I hope you enjoyed Good Night, Moose, and I can't wait to relax with you again soon. Until then, rest well, have plenty of water, and don't forget to fill your cup of self-care.